0: Welcome to episode fifty-one of the Lace Mount Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Duboff. Before um,
0: we get um, too deep into the hockey stuff, um, there's apparently this big sports story <laughs> that uh, neither of us could resist talking about. I'm sure everyone's talking about. It. We'll talk yeah. about it uh, before we get to everything else. But um, stuff that um, we're going to talk about, hockey-related. Are they for real? Uh, We thought it was a pretty good segment last week, so we're going to bring it back, and we're going to talk about more than just one team. Um, So we'll do that. Also, Vancouver is struggling. The Canadians are apparently human. And should Kadri be suspended for his hit on uh, Daniel Sedin? Uh, We'll talk about that. Um, But first, it took a couple of blown leads A costly wild pitch that gave Cleveland two free runs, a two-strike bunt by Baez that struck him out because it went foul, a rain delay ahead of extra innings. But the Cubs, after 108 years of futility, are finally World Series champions. No more 1908. The streak is over. And um, the news station that I worked at, we simulcast CTV National News. It's a national TV newscast. Uh, they, they, they got some interesting stats that kind of indicate that maybe it was meant to happen this way because a baseball has 108 stitches.
1: Right, the distance from home plate
0: to Wrigley Field at the foul pole uh, is 108 meters. Cubs games are transmitted from Willis Tower, 108 stories high is the Willis Tower, and a dramatic game seven ended in the 10th with the Cubs scoring eight runs. So uh, it, it was one of those, honestly, it was one of those where were you when type of moments in the world of sports. Maybe uh, one of those moments in life that everyone yeah. will be talking about, especially for Cubs fans. And it's just the stories. Like you hear this touching story of a one a, a 108-year-old fan that was born the same year they last won the title or and and actually jumped out of her chair when they recorded the final out. And then there's this fan that traveled to his dad's gravesite to listen to the Cubs' Game 7 win right. because he made a promise to his dad just before his death that when the when the Cubs made the World Series that they would watch the game together. Well, they oh, listened the to the thing. game together. He, he brought a lawn chair. Yep. He sat beside his father's grave, had the radio on, and just listened to the final few outs of that Game 7 win.
1: Those are the stories that
0: really make this all the more And
1: honestly, this is why, like, I was just thinking about this. This is, like, pretty much why we watch sports, just for moments like this. And, um, like, I mean, we we weren't really debating this, um, in terms of, like, we know we're a hockey podcast, um... We do talk about baseball from time to time, but, like, we felt like this was an important thing to say, because this is, like, a good reminder of, like, hey, like, you know, like, the impossible can happen, and stuff like that, so it's, it's, like, a way to cheer you up. I mean, I'm sure, um, it's unfortunate for, uh, Cleveland Indian fans everywhere, um, they'll, they'll, they're a good team, though, so they'll, uh, I, I assume they'll be back soon, but, well, yeah, you look at the Royals. Um, yeah. uh, the year they lost. Right, exactly. That's yeah, a perfect Gardner example D7, too. They won it the year after, so. Yeah, and that's that's a good example too. So it's like, um, and uh, as a fan of of the Red Sox, I know what it feels like to wait forever. Although I was twelve when the Red Sox won um, in two thousand four, but uh, it was I like this is probably my like the happiest I've been for a sports championship that's not yeah. a Boston team. So, uh, <laughs> um Like, one, yeah. one of my colleagues is also a Boston fan. She was right. working the overnight, so I, I, was, I, I watched the final final ten minutes, and she wanted the Cubs to win so Right, well, no, I know. And star. it's like, uh, Theo Epstein should run for president. Um, <laughs> he probably they, win. They can accept last minute. No, no, he right? can... I mean, like, if he can get the Red Sox and the Cubs to to win a World Series, he can pretty much do anything. He can fix this country in a way. So, um, but, uh, (laughs) uh, but, yeah, so credit to Theo Epstein, um, and the Chicago Cubs. Um, we have this list here, um, of things that have happened since the last time the Cubs have won the World Series, um, um. We're gonna, I guess we're, we're each gonna flip there's a couple. there's a couple of these things on this list here. Um yeah. I don't know. Do you wanna start?
0: Yeah, I'll start off. Uh first off, radio and T V were invented. So the last time the Cubs won, it wasn't televised, it wasn't broadcasted in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. All you had was the
1: photos. Uh baseball added fourteen teams. So yeah. <laughs> Including the Jays and the Expos
0: who are now the nationals. Yeah. Uh, George Burns, a legendary comedian, he celebrated his tenth, 20th, 30th, 40th, 50th, 60th, 70th, 80th, 90th and even his a hundredth birthday.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, the Haley's Comet, comment, uh, which is a rare you know star that passes by, passed earth twice. Yeah. Um, yep
0: that's pretty remarkable uh, also what's remarkable. Harry Carey, the legendary voice of the Chicago Cubs, was born and later died. <laughs> so I wasn't yeah. alive. Yeah, it's, that's <laughs> kind of sad, alive. too.
1: It's kind of sad, too, when you think about that, because he's probably yeah. the most notable Cubs guy. And man, oh, he's yeah. You know, he never got a chance to see a World Series, but whatever. Um... Speaking of other leagues, the NBA, NHL, and NFL were formed, and Chicago teams won championships in each league. You know, Michael Jordan, you know, now with yeah. the Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze era, the 85 Bears. So Chicago has been pretty good in their other sports, but not um, not here in uh, baseball.
0: Yeah, man took a big step forward before the Chicago Cubs. A man landed on the moon. Yep, That also happened
1: before this title. Um, 16 U.S. presidents were elected, uh, this is also a reminder, it would have been 17, um, if the Cubs won a week later, um, but yeah, go out, guys, go out and vote, um, it's a pretty important election, um, it really depends on if you're racist or sexist, um, you know, uh, you know, (laughs) we're not, we're trying not to sway too much into the political realm, But, uh, just make your voice heard. Yeah. Just, just make your voice heard. Um, yeah. I mean, I do care who you vote for, but, um, I don't want to be like, uh, I don't want to sway people who, who may vote for this person. Um, yeah, speaking otherwise. of American politics, uh, there were eleven amendments made yep. to the U.S.
0: Constitution. Not sure how many amendments made to the Canadian Constitution since the Cubs
1: last won it. Right. But uh, there were uh, eleven amendments made to the U.S. I guess supposedly this is this is probably like uh, an American who wrote this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> prohibition was created and repealed. Yeah. So people were allowed yeah. to party like it was 1908. Yeah, literally. Uh, the Titanic was built, set sail,
0: sank, was later found, and became the subject of lots of movies.
1: The most notable one in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, oh, 97, I think it went out. I forget what year that was. Uh, the own field that they were, the Cubs were playing in, Wrigley Field, was built and becomes the oldest park in the National League. And it still um, is. Yeah, so they didn't even win when in 1908, the Wrigley Field wasn't even around. So um, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, flag poles were also erected at Wrigley Field, believe it or not. Yep, um, a combination of 40 summer and winter Olympics have been held.
0: That includes the Miracle on Ice in 1980, and of course, us Canadians. The year uh, Canada men's, the Canadian men's hockey team won gold in 2002.
1: Yeah, so I mean, two big sporting and events, then, happened before and them. a lot of other uh, hockey Olympic championships that you guys have won. <laughs> um,
0: Thirteen baseball players and won the triple crown. I believe that's the award you, that goes out to the player who
1: leads the league in batting average, homers, and RBIs. Yep. Uh, Bell Bottoms came in style, went out of style, and came back in style. I don't know. That's if probably my favorite. I don't know that's, if that's, were they that's ever. That's my favorite. It's hilarious. I don't know if they were ever really in style, but okay. <laughs> uh, the Cleveland Indians, oh wait, no, wait. Well, yeah. Well, oh yeah, this is yours, yeah, sorry. Cleveland, Boston, Arizona, and the Florida Marlins, before they became the Miami Marlins, all won the World Series. <laughs> uh, the Cubs played 14,153 regular season games. So almost 15,000, but uh, I mean, it's still impressive though, so yeah. Yeah, there are there are a lot of uh,
0: attendances in the NHL that are uh, unfortunately lower than
1: that number. So. <laughs> Probably. Uh, and finally,
0: Alaska, Arizona, Hawaii, Oklahoma, and New Mexico became part of the union.
1: Yep. So, um, so yeah, if you hadn't got an idea of how long 108 years are, uh, now you know. Yeah, and if and if you're wondering who now holds the longest championship drought. That would be the NFL's Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, although so it they is have a, that unfortunate honor. Now. Although it's a little kind of cheating because they were they were first the Chicago Cardinals for a while, then they were yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals for a while, and then they were the Arizona Car- Phoenix Cardinals for a while. Um, so they've moved around a bit, but yeah, they've uh, they have the longest strap. Um, do you want to you want to do the memor the Number of things.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll do that before we actually do what we always do and talk hockey. Uh shout outs to Brian right. Campbell, shout Francis Bouillon, Phil Philpala, David Desarnay, Franz Nielsen, Kyle Palmieri, although he did one by the way. Uh, wear number fifty one for um as long as guys like Campbell and Bouillon. He did wear number fifty one for a couple of years. Uh Jake Gardner still uh, Jake Gardner still wears that number with the lease. Danny Heatley With Anaheim, his brief stay in Anaheim, he wore that number, as did Andre Kovalenko, Ryan Spooner, and Fedor Tutin. So to all those players past and present in the NHL who have worn number 51, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve.
1: All right. Um. So that was quite the intro, but yeah. uh, it was worth it. Um. So yeah. So like last week, we had we talked about the Oilers and if they could be sustainable, and then we uh started thinking about other teams that um that were have gone on to, uh, surprising starts right now. So we have about, uh, six teams right now, um, who we are gonna ask, are they for real? Um, now it doesn't, now I should stipulate that some of these teams have gone off to a bad start, um, but, um, so it's, it's like, are they for real in the other sense? Are they, uh, are they gonna continue to be bad? Um, but, um, we're going to start off with, uh, good teams, or teams that are off to a hot start right now. Um, this isn't really too surprising, I guess, but, uh, considering that they have the best, one of the best goaltenders in the league, but, uh, the Rangers have been pretty good. Um, they are, let me look quickly, they are 9-3-0, and um, in I guess they're nine three, um, and they have the highest goals per game because usually, you know, they let uh, Lundqvist, um, like takes over for them. But they've had they have the highest goals per game with four point two. Uh, the fifth highest goals against, or lowest goals against, I guess, uh, with two point three. Um, J T Miller is their leading point getter. Mm-hmm. Um and um yeah, so I'm gonna ask you, and Jimmy VC has been pretty good for him. Yeah. Um, okay. unfortunately for Steve Mike, because Mika's been Najed, has also been pretty good for them. So uh Steve, are the Rangers for real? Well, um they're
0: definitely a playoff team. Um so long as King Henrik is King right. Henrik at its finest. Uh, the bigger question I have is their offense for real. Can they continue to score at will? And I talked about it a bit last week. Uh, they haven't slowed down. They shut out the Blues 5 nothing. They defeat the Oilers 5-3. to They thrash the Bulls 6-1. to They just beat your Bruins 5-2. to um, Through their first 11 games, they had 45 goals for. And JT Miller, we just talked about him. He... Uh, to put this into perspective, in my Fantasy Hockey League, I picked him as one of my final five picks, and now he's a point-of-game player. He leads the team in scoring, as of Saturday, 12 points in 11 games. So, when you have a guy like JT Miller leading the way offensively, that's that's pretty astonishing as to how well your offense is rolling right now. And then you look at Kevin Hayes, who had a huge week. He has seven points over his last three games, um, and that gives him 10 points after his first 11. So... His big week helps his offensive numbers. You have Ricker Nash, a hot and cold scorer, who has six goals and nine points. Brian McDonough, nine points of his own. Kreider, Zibanejad, and VC also have nine points. VC
1: has scored six times mm. this
0: year. And
1: when you look at Matt Zuccarello... VC has ne- ten points. Uh, uh, sorry, who has ten points? VC.
0: VC, okay.
1: So that, that changed with the... I'm I'm going
0: with the stats I got before the Bruins game. But yeah, 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 10 yeah. points even more so for BC. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I have
1: the like, updated list if you want me to yeah. mention. <laughs> uh, uh, so, I, I'm just looking
0: at this yeah, through yeah. 11 games mostly, but... Yeah,
1: that's fine. The, the
0: staggering part is when I look at Matt Zuccarello, and he is probably their best all-around offensive yep. player. When Mikael Grabner has more points than Zuccarello, <laughs> that, that is just mind-boggling as to how this team continues to score at will i don't know if this run's gonna last forever i doubt it will um because eventually i think you're gonna see king henrik have to stand on his head yeah um again they're gonna be a playoff team they're they're gonna be one of the teams to watch in the east are they this good i'm not quite sure it's it's still pretty early in the season but if i'm a rangers fan i'm i'm undecided as to how as to if they can be this good for the rest of the year, but I I like what I see, and and I'm if I'm the Rangers, I'm I'm pretty optimistic. If this team can continue to score at will, um, they, they could they could have the makings to go deep. You yes. know, everyone was talking about you know Keith Yandle. You know how much of a void was that was that going to leave on the defensive uh, spot? They haven't missed a beat. In fact, one of their rookies, I believe, has seven points on the on the back end as well.
1: Yeah, um. Brady Skay? Oh, Brady Skay or whatever his name is. I don't
0: know how to pronounce his last name. I probably butchered it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of your, uh, stats were a bit wrong because you hadn't. And and you know what? When (laughs) probably people hear this podcast, they're They're probably even more wrong. Yeah, exactly. Again,
0: just based off the numbers I got through their first 10 or 11 games. Yeah. Um, it's no secret. The Rangers are scoring like no, nobody's no.
1: business. Uh, yeah, so just to update you guys, JT Miller has... Uh, so this is from 12 points, uh, 12 games. Um, JT Miller has 12 points. Kevin Hayes has 11. Stepan, Grabner, VC have 10 points. Uh, McDonough and Nash have 9 points. Um, you mentioned that it's early. Oh, and also Zabinajad and... Subinnja has nine points and zugarella has eight points um I could go down the whole list basically um yeah so you uh, you were saying that it's still early and um, and I- I'm gonna be honest with you I-, I didn't know that their offense was gonna be good I w- I've been saying all off season like oh they're gonna tr- they should trade Henrik Lundqvist, because like their offense is just going their team is just going nowhere. Um, and then I watched their uh, their game last night uh, against the Bruins. Um, I also watched their game a couple nights ago when they've also played the Bruins. Um, they're a pretty good team um I I like it's it, like a lot of the things that I could say was like because I think like things that were holding them back were like guys like Rick Nash and yeah. um, Kevin Hayes, Derek Stepan, who like, never really, like, never really were what they once were, or what were supposed to be, and, like, they've been playing much better than what they were supposed to be, and so I think, like, Rick Nash, and Chris Kreider, and guys like, uh, Derek Stepan, like, if they, because they've been on the team for a long time, um, or a relatively long time, um, and I think like like those guys should be the core of those guys. So who knows if J.T. Miller will keep it up or uh, Kevin Hayes will keep it up? But if guys like Stepan Nash and Kreider and Zuccarella are like doing well, I think this team could be well, could do well as well, could do well as well, could do well, um, or could keep it up. And they, I think they are for real. I um, in terms of their offense, um, and, like, VC, um, you know, he's looked impressive so far, um, and he's even been more than what people have projected him as being, um, he has 10 points in 12 games, um, I could see him being, like, a 50-point guy, um, I remember, I think I said in the, earlier I thought he would be, like, a 40-point guy, but he could be a 50-guy, um at the end of this year assuming they um you know they keep this up-hmm and, and it, just the staggering part is again
0: last week we were talking Mika's advantage I was leading the team in points and now it's JT Miller none of those uh, either of those two guys I don't think anyone would predicted it at this point would True. be leading the team in points right yeah. now and yet they and yet JT Miller is, is the leading point score at the time we're recording this podcast and and I, I'm just going there thinking, this guy in my fantasy was projected to get forty points and he's on pace for eighty. Yep. Like that's how good this offense is right now. So it and again, like you said, once there are regulars that you're expecting to do all the offensive damage, start picking it up and, and you know, improving, taking their game one step further, then then you really have something if everyone right. continues to play like
1: this. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, Then we go on to uh, the Montreal Canadiens. They are 10-1-1. Their one loss we'll talk about later in the rapid fire. Uh, But uh, it looks like Carey Price has been pretty good. No surprise there. Um, Their two losses were when Montoya was in the net. Um, Their uh, offense has been pretty decent, uh, Alex Galchenyuk leads their team in points with 11, um, they've played 12 points, uh, Shea Weber, Alexander Radulov, their two key, um, acquisitions are, um, next in line, so Shea Weber has, uh, 10 points in 12 games, and Radulov has 9 in 12 points, in 12 games, um, yeah, I guess these are a lot like the Rangers, as we were just mentioning, like, you know, because, like, Gallagher, and uh, you know, guys like that, and Shea Weber, Galchenyuk, like, those guys are, like, I mean, I guess not really Galchenyuk, but Shea, like, Weber, for Weber, Gallagher, and Pacioretty, those guys are, like, veterans in the league, and if those guys continue to do what they're doing, um then I think they're going to be for real. Because we know Carey Price is, you know, he's always going to be good. You can always be in the game when you have Carey Price in net. Um, But it's really just dependent on um, the rest of the team. Um, Like, can Radulov Radulov keep this up? Can Galchenyuk keep this up? Um, And will other guys uh, be able to keep it up? Um, yeah. They don't have as much depth as other teams do in that sense, but yeah, um,
0: yeah. I, I, just 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 to bring up a couple of stats that are probably going to yep. be dated again uh, after Thursday's game against Vancouver. Guess who was their leading goal scorer?
1: Um, Radulov,
0: Tori Mitchell.
1: Oh wow,
0: he had five goals, and that was enough to lead the team. So again, that's again their depth guys stepping yep. up and
1: delivering. True. Placanitz and Dayarnae both were in a scoring slump. Placanitz sort of got they out of it. They still are, kind of. But yeah, yeah. He sort of got out of it
0: with the game winner against Philly yeah. uh, on Saturday night. So when you're doing all that with Placanitz and Dayarnae off their game, that's a good sign. Yeah. And and it's just the way they find they, – they they're finding ways to win games. Like the Va- the Vancouver game, uh, Price stood on his head, stopped all 42 shots he faced. They won 3 nothing, And then – you look at the Philly game. Montreal only gets 17 shots, yet they still somehow
1: beat Michael Nyberg five times. Right. So they're finding ways to win. That's the key. Yeah, that's true. And I think it's like, and as I just mentioned, I think it's like if Carey Price is is in net, I think that's like just you're always in the game. Um, mm-hmm. That's and that was the main reason why they weren't so good last year. It's just because Carey Price was out for so long. I mean, their, you know, their forwards and their defense couldn't, uh, you know, carry their team. And and what's interesting about their defense is that um, prior to their Saturday night game against Philly, Jeff Petrie had six points. Right. Like, that's a pleasant surprise if you're Montreal. Getting six points out of Jeff Petrie at this stage in the season, that's pretty good. So, I'd say, yeah, I think they are for real, unfortunately, for uh, Boston fans, but, um... But, yeah, I think they are for real. I don't know if Radulov and Shea Weber are... I'm still not sold on them yet, but um, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, long-term, is, yeah. again, it's long-term... Exactly, is that's the thing. ...with those guys, but uh, short-term, they are certainly living up to their billing. Exactly. Um, now we go to a team that hasn't been so good, The uh, but have high... Um, High expectations this year. Uh, the uh, Nashville Predators, um, they are 3 5 and 3. We mentioned them last week. Um, they are seventh in the Central Division. Um, I don't think Piccarinier has been too great. I believe they didn't they start slow last year, too. Um, I think they did. I,
0: I don't know. Uh, I've. If- I, I think they they were kind of hot and cold. I think they had a better record at this point last year than they did uh, this year. Okay. Um, I mean, I could I'm, double I'm check. I'm pretty but... sure they were top three in their division last year.
1: You'd have to check my. Uh, yeah, on hold on. That. I'm looking. They, they look a bit similar to the Ducks of last year. Like actually, they were. Good. They got off to a hot start. In the yeah, beginning they, <laughs> but they're 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 too good to go a mediocre one. For right. Two for no, their I know. Games. Yeah, I was I was just going to mention so. Yeah. Uh, Philip Forsberg leads their team in points with seven. Um, he doesn't have any goals though. It doesn't really feel like it because he's you know he has seven points. But, um, but uh, so Philip Forsberg has seven. That's not great even. But he leads their team in points. Um, Victor Arvidsson has six. Uh, Ribeiro has six. Uh, PK Subban and Ryan Johansson, who are supposed to be like their key guys to make that leap, um, they have six as well. Um, I think, I think those are that's the key here. Is like if Ryan Johansson and PK Subban pick it up, and Philip Forsberg actually picks it up, I think those are the guys that are going to have to step it up big time in order for the team to do well. And it's not happening right now. Um, so the, the reassuring news is that heading
0: into Saturday's action, despite the fact they only had eight points in their first ten, they were three points back of both wildcard spots in the West, which at the time were occupied by Winnipeg and Calgary. Yeah. And what also worked against them is that they didn't really have a favorable schedule to start off the year. They start off the year home and home with Chicago, then Dallas, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, LA, San Jose, Colorado who they beat 5-1, Arizona who beat them in a the shootout, can't take them lightly. And then on deck they have Anaheim, Toronto, and a pair of game and a pair of games with Ottawa and St. Louis in between. And all of those guys, all of those teams, they can find ways to score. Right. And they got a lot of youth on their team, so definitely they have to figure it out at some point. They still have time, but Forsberg again needs to get off the goal scoring tonight he, he needs to start producing in that regard everyone needs to pick up the play Johansson Subban you mentioned those two I think Matthias Eckholm also needs to produce more. and
1: Roman Yossi yeah
0: yeah but more so Ekholm I think he's only got a handful of points this yep. year he, he, he hasn't I, I was expecting a bit more of him like a, a 30 to 40 point guy and um I, I think they need a bit more of their second. I think they need more production from their secondary defense. It can't just be R- Roman Yossi and PK Subban uh, doing all the heavy lifting there.
1: True, true. Uh, we'll go to another team that had somewhat high expectations as well, but hasn't managed it yet. Uh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, they are five, six, and one. They are eighth in the Atlantic Division, so they are behind Buffalo and Toronto um, at the moment. Um, Jonathan, this is a little cheating because we kind of know why they aren't doing so well Huberdeau, um, is injured long term for them but Jonathan Martisol, his, um, his replacement for now uh, has 12 points in 12 games he's been by far their best player um, the next best player in terms of points is Vincent Trocek um, and Colton Skivier who have 8 points in twelve games, um, this is one of those things where I think they will be back um, once, like guys like Bukestad um, and uh, Huberto come back um, because I feel like it's a little unfair when you know those guys aren't there. Um, but um, you know, guys like Yager have five points. Um, Roberto Longo, who's also pretty old um has a 2.52 goals against average right now. Um so I don't know. Um in a save percentage of 9. Point, .908. Um so I don't know. I feel like um Aaron Eckblad has two points. He's never really been a um points guy, I guess, but um but I think it's like this is just a a team that's just been injured It just has a ton of injuries and once those guys get healthy, I feel like they'll be back.
0: And those injuries kind of make all the difference because yeah. in the Panthers' first eleven games, six of them were decided by a goal. Right, and you can't get the win every night when you play like that. And I think that's part of the reason why they're a five hundred team. Again, you look at some of their un on um, some of the guys you don't expect to light it up in the NHL that are really picking up, like Marchessault, skevier Trocheck, um, Barkov, and Jager. I think more can be done on there and riley smith has had four points in 11 games you know they're paying him five million a year he's got to step it up yeah. again ekblad just two goals two points in 11 games um even though defensemen aren't supposed to uh, to you know score points as well like eric carlson he was right. the one rookie of the year he's arguably their best defenseman he needs to step it up and i yeah. also like to see what they do with jared mccann because he's been held off the score sheet in his first 11 games with his new team after the trade uh, from Vancouver that uh, that um, meant Erica Branson had to go to the Canucks. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see um, what they do to get him going. Yep. And again, like, we mentioned, like you mentioned before, I think you see to a certain extent how the entry to a guy like Jonathan Huberto affects this team. And I think they're still trying to adapt. And yep. Again, like Nashville, they're going to have to figure it out soon because they they had some heavy firepower coming in Washington. They lost that game four two. They had the Sharks, the Isles, the Habs, the Leafs, the Sens, yep. Rangers, Flyers, and Blue Jackets all on deck. Um, they they have to find their stride
1: and preferably they got to get it done in November. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think we can say this for all teams. It's like it's still pretty early for them, but I think for like Florida, it's like. We kind of know why they've been, haven't been doing so well because of those two injuries, but at the same time, they're like Huberto. Um, you know, you wouldn't think that Huberto would have that much of an effect on their team. Um, you know what I mean. So I don't know. Maybe like guys like Riley Smith, Amir Yager have to pick it up, and Parkoff have to pick it up. So. Um,
0: yeah, it, it's and yeah. again they they relied a lot on the one goal games last year, but they yeah. won more than they lost, and that's the thing. And when you rely on those one goal games, as the Sens have learned in the past, um, you know when you go on a when you go on a dramatic run, I guess yep. you know you get the benefit of the doubt on those one goal games, but
1: that's not going to happen in real life every time, right? Um, the Minnesota Wild, um, under Bruce Boudreau have now, like, usually when Bruce Boudreau takes over a team, um, you know, they start scoring a lot more, um, but this this time they're, um, being more defensive. Um, they, uh, so they're first in the league in goals against, um, with two, they've, uh, in that sense. Uh, but they're not doing so badly in scoring either. They have uh, their ninth for goals per game um, with three um, goals per game. Uh, let's see here. Ryan Suter, surprisingly, is their leading point getter. Eric Stahl's been good, too. He has their most goals um, with four. Um, Charlie Coyle's Jason Sucker, Mikhail Grandland have also been good for them as well. Um, so, I mean, this is a team that I guess is like, under Bruce Boudreau, you could, he's a good coach, he's a good regular season guy, um, did I say their record? They're 6-4-1, third in yeah. the Central Division. Um, they've also surrendered two goals or fewer in seven of their first 11 right. games, and that included their one nothing loss to Colorado on Saturday. Exactly, yeah, so, and yeah, du- the Dubniks shutout streak probably didn't hurt that. A stat line either. So, well, yeah, and, yeah. and, and
0: even though they yeah. that Stroud streak has been
1: broken right. three goals against his last two starts, it's not yeah. his fault he didn't get the win in either game. Yeah, it's kind of surprise. So, I have two surprises and then I'll throw it to you. Um, it's, I mean, we know what Yvonne Dubnik is capable of, but he has a 1.46 goals against average and a save percentage of 9.51. Um, obviously, I don't think that's sustainable for a long time, so I don't know if they're particularly for real, but, like, because of that, um, however, um, I do know he's a good goalie, so maybe he will be a good in the future, um, but it is surprising that Ryan Suter has 10 points in 11 games, because throughout his career, he's never been that offensive guy, offensive defenseman, so, Mm -hmm. um... Uh, it is a surprising thing that he has ten points in eleven games. Um, yeah, when you consider that he usually averages
0: three, maybe at the most forty points a right. season, and he's on pace for seventy or eighty. I don't know if yep. he's going to keep up that pace, but he, it's it's reassuring that you yeah. have that much production from him
1: at this stage of the year. Yeah, currently it says that his average time on ice is twenty six fifty seven, so he's averaging seven twenty seven um, time on ice, but. Um. Yeah.
0: There's a, and and you look at the depth on the minutes. offense. You alluded to all those guys that yeah that have you know eight points, seven points, six points. There are five guys that have five points. One of them is a rookie by the name of Joel Erickson Eck, and he's only played in seven games and he scored five points.
1: Yeah, that's true. What also,
0: what also impacts him is they don't play again until Thursday, so that gives them time to rest up, get ready for the rest of their November schedule, and and those. A couple of days' rest can be huge for a team like Minnesota that you know plays in one of the toughest divisions in hockey.
1: Yeah, that's the thing that makes me wonder if they are for real or not because they do play in the Central Division. I don't know if Ryan Suter can keep it up just because we know he's not that guy. Um, Although, maybe (laughs) he is under Bruce Boudreaux. And that's the same with Dubnik because I feel like those are the key guys for why they're doing so well, um, you know, and I I don't know if, like, z- guys like Zucker and Charlie Coyle are going to um, do well either um, throughout, but, like, you know, um, but maybe they will. Um, you know, I guess this might be a st- I just proved how stupid this segment is because well, yeah. it's all so early. Um well, yeah,
0: and, and yeah. The, de- the defense, <laughs> you know, it's not going to hold up for exactly. – a- uh, for the entire season so they need to start scoring and I think that's going to determine where they finish yeah. is how much Scoring they get from here on out because a, a team like Minnesota. I don't care how good you are defensively Eventually, you're gonna look human as we're gonna talk about in the rapid fire the Habs' defense looked real human uh, yep. At some point this week. So Minnesota's time is gonna come. They're gonna go through a rough patch um, They've only scored um, One goal in their last two games Right uh, before this, you know, series of rest days. Uh, so their, their offense is going to have to pick up the pace here if, if, they, yep. if they have any hopes of keeping up with the rest of the Central Division because they're going to beat up on one another. And if, if they need to make any progress, they need to keep on winning. And yep. if, it, you can't win if you don't score.
1: Um, so the last team that we're going to talk about is the Anaheim Ducks. Um, at the time as I wrote this, they had a losing record, but they've since gone. they've gotten even. They're 5-5-2. Five, five and two. Um, they're, they're tied for second in the Pacific Division. So now we can ask, are they for real? Are they gonna pick it up? Um... Yeah. yeah, um, yeah ab- absolutely they are because yeah, Ricard Raquel they already only, have. Played, <laughs> only played three games since signing his new contract
0: and getting over the injury bug. Now three yeah. goals and three assists, that's a pretty good start. Two averaging yeah. two points a game. Perry and Getzlav have been Perry and Getzlav. Right. Fowler and Kessler have correct me if I'm wrong, eight points each last yeah, I go. checked. Yep. Vermette has quietly added seven of his
1: own. So yeah, they're they're this team's and gonna semi-band. be Yeah, bad. I think they are. I think when I like when I was jotting down teams that were going to be good and bad. I was just like, I noticed that the Iron Ducks were like low on this specific division. And I was like, Oh, well maybe they aren't back. What's going on there? Um, and then, yeah, they've, they're they now won their last, like, I think they've won like three of their last four or something like that. Um, oh no, they're, they've won three of their last five. Um, and some of those games yeah. they've
0: won rather convincingly, too. right?
1: Exactly. They beat the Kings for nothing. They beat the Coyotes five-one. I mean, the Kings don't have quick. Um, they beat and the, the Coyotes
0: are still young. Team, yeah, but and the Coyotes, no Coyotes
1: are still. Um, the Predators are. They beat the Predators six to one, which we just talked about. So, um, yeah, I do think that I like this this team as you just mentioned, Perry and Getzleff, um and Ricardo Kell have, have been really good for them. But, um, it also depends on how good Gibson can be. Um, and that whole dynamic with him and, uh, Jonathan Barnier, because sometimes he looks really good. Sometimes he doesn't look so good. Um, he has, uh, 2.43 goals against average with a save percentage of nine fourteen. So, um, we shall see if he's gonna, um, be that guy. Um, he's start I think he started every game except for two. Except for so one. Four. I think it was against the first time they faced Pittsburgh, Bernie was in net for that. Yeah, and then oh, but he also didn't play against the San Jose Sharks. Okay. Um but um or Gibson didn't play, but he's started for every other game. But yeah, I think that's like that has a lot to do with um if they're gonna be for real or not. Because Gibson hasn't played mm-hmm. Primarily, uh, as the starter for this is this first season doing that. So um, we shall see if, like you know, a couple um, months later, if he if if he's gonna remain the same. Like those aren't decent; st- those are decent stats, um, but they could be better. They could be worse, kind of thing. So
0: yeah, it, like it's yeah. it's not you know lights out. You know, exactly numbers that you expect out of a starting goaltender, I agree, but um, you're right, it's going to be a challenge, and I mean, he's gotten the reps he's of a starting goaltender, but right. that's because Frederick
1: Anderson has been hurt, or hasn't yeah. been playing well. And we know what he's capable now, of, too. Yeah, but Bernier is the backup,
0: Gibson is the undisputed number one guy, right. and I, that's what I think you're alluding to, is... Yeah. with no one really expected to
1: take his job, how is he going to perform? Exactly. And I think that's what it all comes down to is it, for them, is is can Gibson be that guy or not? Yeah. Um, Alright, uh, let's do the poll of the week. It was kind of a short one, but...
0: It was short and satirical.
1: It's satirical, yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, as we just mentioned, the Ducks shut out the Kings... Uh, for nothing, on was I think it was Tuesday, um, and then like uh, Daryl Sutter like said like in the post game that like the Kings were because uh, they had they were shut out uh five. Let me look at this. They were shut out I think th- for three games, um, once to the St. Louis Blues, to the Chicago Blackhawks, and then to the Anaheim Ducks on Tuesday, um. And, uh, and then Daryl Sutter said, like, something along the lines of, like, um... Yeah, you know, he was asked, what does
0: your team need to do to break this losing streak?
1: You just, like, score goals. Yep, that was it. <laughs> uh, so that got me to thinking of, uh, I had a poll, a poll uh, of the week to ask, will the Kings score a goal? Um, and finally, a lot of people played along with this, um... There was eighty uh, percent said no, twenty um, percent said yes, um, and then uh, the next game they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins three to two in overtime, and then they beat the Calgary Flames yesterday on Saturday. Five nothing. Five nothing. So Spence I think eight. they're back. <laughs> so they're, they've
0: outscored their opponents eight to two in their last two.
1: Yeah, I think I think that I think that's pretty good, and I think they're back. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, but we should mention that. Cause I was, so I was on that Wednesday. Usually Wednesday is when I start to think about, okay, what are we going to cover? And then I like saw this. It was just like, all right, what if like the Kings actually don't score? <laughs> I was like, oh, that would be a great poll of the week question. So um, I'm glad people played along with that. Um, speaking of uh, teams that... I guess this is the reverse of the Kings. Uh, Vancouver, uh, they had seven goals in seven games after the 1-0 loss to Ottawa. And now they were shut out four times in five games at that point. Um, so Vancouver... And it was also stinks. the second time they were shut out in back-to-back games this year. Yep. So uh, Vancouver now stinks. Um, which it should I also didn't. be noted yeah. that their most expensive offseason acquisition, Louis Erickson, has scored negative one goals this year. They've lost seven straight games as well. Um, yeah, so they eight, but no. No, I'm looking at this now. Hold on, let's see. I'm going to count them again. One, two, well, three, maybe four, five, but... six, seven. Okay, they lost seven in regulation, and yeah, yeah. that's right. Because then and they, they, lo- they lost to the Kings in overtime. That was yeah. their first loss of the year. Right, right. Yeah, but they... So, eight straight games without a win. That's not good. Yeah, that's not good. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, we're going to get to the Toronto game in a bit. But, um, yeah, they're uh, not looking so good. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess this isn't really too surprising, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, um,
0: I, I, I had him as one of the bottom three yep. teams in the West for a reason and when I saw them go on a, a, the run that they did and the fact that they really hadn't held a lead in regulation when they were going on that hot streak uh, and the fact that they that oh, for their first five games went to overtime I thought eventually their luck's going to run out. It's run out in a big way. Yep. And it really begs the question, what will it take to get this team going again? Will Willie Desjardins have to be fired? And you know what? If he, if he is fired, it's unfortunate because I don't think he's the problem. I yeah, think I was about to
1: say. <laughs> I think it's that
0: time. They rebuild, sell all of their assets, and they need to do it now because yeah. if they don't start the rebuild process, they're going to be in a bad spot this year. They'll be in a bad spot next year and for the next several. yes. And I think it's, again, I alluded to this in the Western Conference preview, that the Sedins might get traded. I think they will get traded uh, sooner rather than later because, yeah, they control where they want to go. Perhaps the only way they go, uh, either one will go, is if a package deal to the same team allows both of them to stay on the same team. And if that happens, then they'll probably want to go to a winner, a Stanley Cup contender. It's not going to be easy to pull off if that happens, but the Canucks must cut ties with the Sedin twins either now or when their contract is up and they lose them for nothing. Yeah. And it's not because they're bad. In fact, they're still arguably the Canucks' best players. But a system like two twins and some guy on the top line just is not working for them. Yeah. It limits any option you have with the rest of your offense, a very young offense that can only get better if they're getting opportunities to get better. You look at Bo Horvat. You look at Yannick Hansen, who made an unreal move, almost beat Mike Condon on Thursday, got through two defenders. Guys like that, guys like Jake Vertanen, a group of young studs, like those three guys, are going to be leading your team in three to five years, and you want them to show strides sooner rather than later. I do not see that happening, and I do not see them reaching their full potential if the Sedin twins are sticking around. And when a defense is the biggest question mark for this team. It's a shame that this team has lost eight in a row because their defense and goaltending has actually been pretty good. Before their game against Toronto, Miller's goals against average was 1.79. His save percentage, 934. Only one win to show for it. Jakob Marstrom, 2.14 goals against average. 920 save percentage. Yet he's only 3-2-1. The youth needs to step up right now and the Sedin twins, unfortunately, have to go.
1: Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, that you do bring up a good point. Like, I wonder if they could split up the team... Like, the, split up the Sedins. Um, like, you know, have Henrik on the first line and Daniel on the second line. Um, see if that does anything. Um, I'm not sure why no one has... Ever, I'm sure that's happened before ever in their career, but um, maybe that could... Spark something. I don't it's know. Just it's just because it's been a formula for Solon. The students right. have always played on the same line. They know where each other is. They know where right. to find them. The, no, the I history. get that, but they I'm saying that. like this, that's they, clearly they not working anymore. So, other. so it's just a matter yeah. of then if you break up that chemistry, doesn't make your team even worse. Possibly, but I mean, but that's the point. You need to get better. You need to get other players who can. Yeah. Um, and help. I agree, they gotta try everything before they they trade the Sedin twins. They it's, can't not like like, it's not like, like they're like it's not like they're so but... different from every other team, you know. Um, <laughs> if you sp- like, I'm sure. I'm trying to think of like like if you split up Bergeron and Marchand, like you know, it might have the same effect. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's why you split up the teams just to see if it sparks anything, um. Yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised, though, that I thought Louis Erickson th- and the two Sedins would do something, because uh, I felt like he was better than Forbada and the gu- the other guys, the third guy on the Sedin line. But um, so far, he hasn't gone there, but I still believe in Louis. He's uh, he just a slow starter from watching him in Boston, so I think he'll be back, but we shall see. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go down to... Oh, yeah, so speaking of the Sedins, uh there was a big uh, fight, um, a line brawl, um, in t- first the Toronto and Vancouver game. Uh, Matt Martin hit this rookie defenseman on a Vancouver stretcher, is his last name, I don't know his first name. The Stetcher. Stetcher.
0: Torrey Stetcher? Troy
1: Stetcher, that's his Troy
0: name. Stetcher, okay.
1: Um... And then Ryan Miller got involved, and then it just it kind of collided. It wasn't it wasn't like, I don't know if you disagree with this opinion. I know we're going to disagree in a minute. Um, but uh, it didn't seem like that big of a line brawl compared to other line brawls. Um, but, um, yeah, so then there was a uh, good Branson after the game went. Um, Matt Martin is dead. F and dead, yeah. Um, you didn't say F but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, he actually <laughs> said
1: the F word. Yeah, he threw the F bomb. He threw the F bomb. Yeah. The there was. a uh...
0: it in the hallway to make sure everyone heard
1: him. Yep, which is kind of interesting too, because from what I read or from what people have said online, was that like Matt Martin was like challenged, like Matt Martin was challenging all the Vancouver guys, and none of them were fighting like were <laughs> trying to fight him during the game, so it was kind of strange, because I felt like it was just an empty threat there, um, and then also there was Kadri hit, uh, blindsided Daniel Sedin, um, and, uh, you were alluding before the show that this is, this might, the, I think the, the Leafs and the Canucks play again, um, next month,
0: December 3rd, yes, yep.
1: And you were alluding that this could be a Bertuzzi-Steve Moore situation. Um, I disagree with this, um, but well, I'm going to let you talk first. Yeah, so well, first can... off, um, the, the
0: goalie stuff, the line brawl, Miller and Anderson right. going at it,
1: the contract kind of stuff happened
0: before this. Right. Um, so what happened was... Um, yeah, I mean, Riley, I went, it well. <laughs> Riley made a hit that the Canucks didn't like on Yannick Hansen. And then seconds after that, Daniel Sedin comes and takes the shot and scores to make it five, three, I believe it was at the time.
1: Yep.
0: And then af- as sh- just a split second or two after he's done taking the shot and the puck is going in, Kadri appears to make contact with his head. Blindside hit, Sadin wasn't prepared for it. Yannick Hansen comes over, goes right after Kadri. Kadri doesn't throw a single punch, mind you. He was kind of staring at Sadin, so I guess he didn't really see Hansen coming in and maybe didn't really have a chance to defend himself. But he didn't really make an effort to throw a punch. He just tried to duck from every punch that was coming his way. And again, I'm not there, so I don't know what Kadri's thinking. (laughs) I don't know if it was intentional. But at the end of the day, it looked like... He he came in. Sedin was vulnerable. He was shooting the puck. He wasn't prepared for the hit, in my opinion, and that is a suspendable hit. And then you look at everything else that happened yeah. because Morgan Riley, the Canucks were still fuming. Burrows comes in, looks like he spears Riley a little bit, and then later Komarov and Dorset fight, and then Dorset after the fight, uh, as the as the um. The referees are trying to get him into the Canucks dressing room um, away from the ice. He all of a sudden turns around, starts chirping at Matt Martin, who's on the bench. Mike Babcock is also chiming in with the odd word. And and Dorsett is livid at this point. He is livid. He is hopping mad at Matt Martin. Uh, And and then eventually Dorsett is escorted off. And then later... Burroughs, and Riley fight, and those two are um, sent to the sin bin for their troubles, and then the Matt Martin incident happens, he he goes after Stetcher, then Miller jumps in, goes after Martin, then a line brawl ensues, and then Freddie Anderson comes from the other end, goes after Ryan Miller, he doesn't really go after Ryan Miller, the two don't drop the gloves, he just tries to separate Ryan Miller from uh, from from uh, the least player there Matt Martin and also what's interesting is that you know a guy like Austin Matthews is tugging one of the Canucks players to try and get him away from one of his teammates yeah. so when you have a guy like Austin Matthews jumping in like i understand you know sometimes you want teams to get it out of their system but you this is where it goes back to the Todd Bertuzzi and Steve Moore thing as for those of you who don't remember Todd Bertuzzi um, and several Canucks players weren't too happy.
1: This was when in, Steve like, Moore, 2003, after, right? Sorry, what? This was in, like, 2003, so this is a lot. Um, I think it was in
0: 04. actually. Okay. I
1: might well, be wrong. Early 2000s. Yeah, so
0: Vancouver, Colorado, early 2000s. Yep. Marcus Naslund is hit by Steve Moore. Canucks don't like the play at all. Moore is not suspended for the play. Coach, uh, Coach Mark Crawford is livid. He's not happy after the game. A lot of the Canucks are fuming mad in the dressing room. We all know what happens. Bertuzzi jumps more. Moore is never the same again. He never plays in the NHL again. And, of course, we have that big lawsuit. I fear we could have, based on especially the Erica Branson stuff, I, I know it's just one guy, but when you have that kind of animosity and you play the same team a month later, if no justice is served, I fear things could really escalate the next time these two yeah. teams met. Uh, these two teams meet, and when these memories are still fresh, right? Then it really adds up. And you also got to <sighs> take into account: katri has been suspended before, so this would make him a repeat offender if he got suspended again. And these are the kind of hits that you want to take out of the game that have no business being a part of the game. Yep. So you need to send a message. You could have sent a message when Rakko Gudis hit Austin Zarnik. Not much was done on that. Right. So the NHL really needs to come down hard on Nazem Kadri, Regardless of whether or not it was intentional, it looked like the elbow made contact with uh, Sadin's head. Well Thankfully, not- Sadin, Sadin was okay, though. And he was talking to reporters you're, after the game. That's a good sign. You're not
1: gonna care. like Send, this news.
0: I don't care. Send a message.
1: You're not gonna like this news, but uh, there's no hearing or supplementary discipline for Nazem Kadri. Uh, this was well. I idea. hope
0: the NHL knows what's what they could be getting themselves into but, here, and, and they because yeah. I think they issued warnings to the Canucks and the Avalanche before that game, and the game was getting out of hand. So I I feel sorry for the referees who are officiating that game cuz I fear yeah. we,
1: no, we could have another situation like I this. I get that. I get I get what you're saying. However, I feel like the league the league overall has learned from Bertuzzi more that that whole incident. And I, I feel hope like they have. Yeah, and I think like the refs have been able to control their th- you know, have been able to control their players and been like, oh, okay, uh, you know, this is what you're not supposed to do. I didn't agree that. I felt like Cadre should at least have been suspended a couple of games, but. Um, and the, the refs did their job un- though. They gave him yeah. five minutes. Yeah, that's true. And um, and I I just I just don't think in this day and age, I don't think it's gonna like it's actually gonna happen. Um, like, cause when, the, like, that whole, like, Matt Martin, like, this guy's dead, or whatever, like, that whole empty threat thing, um, I feel like, but, like, from what I heard is, like, Matt Martin tried to fight all these other Canucks players, and they didn't do anything, so that ma- makes me seem like those are just empty threats, and those aren't, like, they aren't seriously gonna try to fight Matt Martin, um, um, and My I fear is that if the Canucks are gonna try and get revenge, one of the least young guns is gonna be targeted. I don't know if the that's last gonna happen. Thing they want. I don't think that's gonna happen, but we we'll, I guess we'll see. Um, I guess it's a little thing. Uh, I think we're we're about to reach an hour here, so we have to get going. Yeah, we'll and, see, we'll, and just a quick note: like Kadri had a big game against Connor McDavid. Yep. It's a
0: shame we're talking about Kadri's hit on Sadin instead of his big night against the Oilers, because he really played good
1: in that game, but, yeah. anyway. But, I mean, this is his thing. Didn't he have, like, a throat slash thing, like, uh, like, I last had year? Also, yeah. one time he hit Cody Cece from behind, and there yeah, was no he's, like, he's, like, known ago, for that kind of stuff. No. But, uh, yeah, so we're at an hour. We, I, I assume this isn't going to be the last we're going to hear of this. Oh, so,
0: no, no. You can so, be
1: sure of that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll be sure to talk about that. Um, the nine-game mark is pretty is coming up for a lot of these young guys, rookie guys. Um, in fact, Serge- it's
0: already passed for some.
1: Yeah, in fact, it's already passed. Um, Sergey uh, Sergachev, yeah. Shabbat, I don't know his first name, are Tom, already Tom, going Tom back Shabbat, yeah. are Already going back to juniors while uh, Matt Kachuk stays. Christian Dvorak stayed, was called up, um, and Christian Dvorak even scored a goal versus Matt Nashville. Um, and uh, the day Matt Kachuk was informed he was staying, he got two yep. against San
0: Jose. Um, I and have both, both both played on the London yep. Knights too, so that's notable for the London yep, Knights fans who are hoping for a Memorial right, Cup. Pre-season. Exactly, it might not happen
1: this year. Um, especially when Mitch Marner is probably going to stay up. Yeah, uh, so all three uh, of those guys yeah. might be gone. Austin Matthews is going to stay. Up. You know, all those Toronto guys are going to stay up. Yeah. Speaking of Toronto guys, um, William Nylander. Um, and then uh, most of the Arizona guys, so Dylan Strom, Christian Dvorak, um, I would assume Chikrin as well, um, are probably all going to stay. Um. And that's bad news for Sarnia too in the OHL because yeah. Konechny stays, now Chikrin's probably going to uh, stay. Uh, Zach Wierenski, well. Zach is the is another guy as well. Yeah. Um, and so that leads us to Montreal Columbus. Um, this was on Friday. Columbus scored 10 goals against Montreal. Um Wierenski had like two assists, but um, I think Wenberg had the most points for Columbus yeah, that year. Was this, it was like, I think, was it? Was like four assists, yeah. Not a lot like it was like spread the wealth, I guess.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of guys that multi F on Columbus. Yeah. You know what the kicker was?
1: What? I had zero Columbus players in my fantasy team, yet my opponent had Al Montoya. Wow. That's,
0: so that's, for all 10 goals. that's hilarious. Um, and, and, like a lot of Habs fans, I think, were probably you would hear the score and they're they're thinking you they have two heads, because I right. had this guy who doesn't have basic cable. Who called in the station I was working on, on Friday and asked what the half score was? And I told him. He's like, "You're kidding." And I'm just like, "No." Over and over, I told him. He said, "I don't believe you." I, if I bet money, if
1: I bet money on you, what would happen? I said, "Well, he would lose." <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> just
0: yeah. A total denial, but yeah. And and I can understand why they didn't yeah. lose by ten goals. Uh, they didn't lose ten to nothing since 1942. Um, and uh, this just, is the first
1: time. Enough. I think this is the first time that it's been, like, a uh, team scored 10 goals since, like, 2005 or something like that. I'm, I'm, yeah. Well,
0: 2005 was, well, it would have to be in the old oh, 05 yeah, or yeah. 06 season. I'm not quite sure. <laughs>
1: <but> <laughs> I, I just I just had to mention the lockout <laughs> year. 2006. I was
0: not quite sure. That was another question. I was thinking, when was the last time an NHL team scored ten goals yeah. in an NHL game? Because I remember the I remember being at a Sens Sharks game. Yeah. Back when uh, Canadian Tire Center was called the Corral Center, and the Sens won that game nine to three. Kipper saw was the backup at that point. Yeah. And the Sens didn't. That was the closest
1: I'd ever seen to a team score ten goals. Right. Um. Yeah. That's true. I think the biggest news here, though, is that. Uh, Tyrion somehow kept in Montoya for all ten goals, so just leaving him out to dry like that. Um, and,
0: and, and do you know why that's relevant?
1: Because Carey Price is undefeated? I mean, why?
0: Montreal didn't lose by ten goals since December 2nd,
1: 1995. You know what's so special about that day? Oh, Patrick Waugh's last game.
0: In Montreal, that's correct. Uh, so... Uh, of course, on Twitter, uh, Pierre Lebrun had to bring up uh, this important tweet. He said, uh, just taking a look here, uh, da, 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 <laughs> uh, one more on Montoya, and he gets traded for Kovalenko, Rikshinsky, right. and Tebow. <laughs> and tennis star Jeannie Bouchard tweeted, when does the mercy rule come into play? But- Hashtag Habs. And Probably my favorite was from Ray Ferraro when, he played for a Thrashers team who won 14 games one year, and he said, "Pretty certain the Thrashers never lost 10 nothing to any NHL team, and we <laughs> lost to everyone."
1: <laughs> um, so but like, but shouldn't that like, shouldn't that mean more like that like Tyrion like, did, like I get that they're playing the next day, and Carey Price, you don't want to like uh, lose rest on Carey Price, but come on, man, like, give Montoya some, like, leniency, like, I don't know, it's just, I felt, it's, I feel like, I've always thought, uh, Tyrion is a bad coach, but I felt like this was, like, a terrible move by him, like, just...
0: It doesn't make him look put, good. At that, for sure, but I would yeah. think, I would think Montoya was told what the game plan was, because... With Mario Tremblay and Patrick Waugh, I don't
1: think there was really much communication between the two, and that's what kind of. Well, it like, has nothing to do with that, but okay. I think that's what Patrick Waugh got riled up about is that there wasn't much communication. That just uh, Tremblay right. just Well, right I'm now. not. I'm, I'm not comparing it to the Patrick Waugh case. I'm well, just I, saying. No, I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying like when it, think was think like, it was like the, the Columbus scored six nothing it, in the first. It, it, they they scored like 6 nothing in the first period. Why don't they just have Price playing like the second and third? Like that's all you needed to do. Like I don't know. Like you just just give up on the game and the game was already over at the, at the end of the first. Just uh I don't know. Like give him some like some help. <laughs> I don't know.
0: You know what? You bring up a good point because you look at yeah. Carey Price as the score was going up. He was stretching, he was getting warmed up. Yeah. And then by- Seven nothing, eight nothing, nowhere to be found.
1: Exactly. So he, he, you know,
0: he was prepared to go in there, but yeah. I guess the game plan was put
1: Al Montoya in for the entire game, no matter how bad the score gets. Yeah. And it is, in Terry's defense, he probably didn't think Columbus would win ten nothing. True, true. I mean, no, I get Columbus. that. I'm just saying, like you could at least like you know not have that score if you're if you put in Kerry Price in. Yeah,
0: um, and, and you know yeah. what. You know, may, maybe Tarion, <laughs> you know, may, maybe made this decision with the best of intentions. He, he didn't want something bad to happen to Cary yeah. Price in a game that already
1: got out of hand. True, and, I guess so. But, like, I don't him. know. I get why you may
0: hung him out to dry like that. And Pat Trey acknowledged that. He said, we let Montoya out to dry, and it's yeah. frustrating. And uh, Tarian said it was a very tough call to stay with Montoya because he was just getting lit up like a Christmas tree out there. Right. And apologies for saying Christmas in November, folks. Uh, but, again, it's... <laughs> You're forgiven. I, I, I can't help but think, you know, there was... Montoya was probably, being the good team guy that he was, yeah. he, he, he probably took one for the team, and, and Terry, and, I would hope, told him what the game plan was the entire time. And I don't know, again, Tron and Wall, I don't know how much communication there was, but Wall was probably upset about something and forced his hand... This wasn't a star goalie. This was a backup. Yep. And, and and, a, and you know, I I don't agree with, you know, leaving any goalie out to try like that. But I, I think Montoya was a good sport about it than probably most goalies would be.
1: Right.
0: Uh, and you got to wonder, you know, if Mary, you wonder how much Terry knew because he said the coaching staff saw the team's bad game coming like a big curveball. Right. I mean, He's right. They would look human at some point. Right. But and nothing.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is a wake-up call. But we have to get going. Okay. Uh, Lundquist, Lundqvist, uh, 60th shutout. Um, we were talking about the Rangers, so he's been pretty good for them. Um, two unknown teams reportedly interested in Yaroslav Palak. I hate when like, there are reports like this, because it's like, what unknown team, you know? It's like, just say the team, you know? Um, just
0: off the top of my head, Carolina, L.A., or Arizona would be good fits for Halak.
1: Yeah, I could see but that.
0: But, again, two unknown teams, they didn't specify that. I'm just saying off the top of my head. No, I know, Those I know. I, know. That come I mean,
1: I, I don't know if Halak will actually get dealt, but we'll see. Um, well, it, 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 it's not really Halak's fault, I mean. Yep. John Tavares in shootouts, he's 13 for 52 in his career. Andrew Ladd's only got one assist. Clark huh? can't do everything. True, but Grace has been pretty good for them. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, and they and they still haven't done that well. Yeah, yeah. We have gone to overtime 38 times this year, and we are only a month away into the season uh it's just a fact i guess um
0: yeah so either <laughs> scoring's way down no wait that can't be right columbus won 10 nothing <laughs> interesting fact interesting fact about that montreal has the best goal differential in the east as of saturday plus 11 <laughs> guess who the second best is
1: who columbus montreal with
0: plus 11 because of that one game yeah
1: because That's of funny.
0: that one game they the sec- they have the second best
1: Goal differential in the in the, the Eastern Conference. That's funny. Um, Alice Hemsky out five to six months for Dallas. Yeah, that's not funny. That's been, unfortunately, the story of his career. If he hasn't yeah. been good, he's been hurt. Bogazian out for Sabres. We don't know how long, but... It's... Uh, I've heard he's going to miss multiple weeks with a knee okay. injury, so that's not good but for like, the like He's already an, out with Jack yeah. Michael. Add him to the list of Sabres who are out. Yep. My prediction is not looking good. Um... <clears throat> Uh, so we talked earlier in this uh, pot episode um, if you're still alive uh, th- about like um, Matt Martin hitting Kadri h- having the questionable hits. two of the two guys who have been who are, should be most known for their questionable hits um, have retired this uh, yesterday or on mm-hmm. Saturday. Uh, Raffy Torres retired and John Scott also retired um, so yeah i mean this isn't really like we shouldn't do like a whole like moment of silence for them but, no, but um it, but yeah you know what? it, it kind of disappoints me that Rafi
0: Torres had to be that guy who right. who took a run at Marion Hosta because in junior with the Branton Battalion he could have been a lot he could have been a lot better as an nhl player how he stuck um, had he steered away from all those extra antics I and mean, yeah. those questionable hits. He could have been, I think, a productive NHL player. Unfortunately it didn't happen. Right. John Scott was never had that offensive flair, but uh I don't know how how you could have scripted a better way to go out with the True. kind of all star game that he had. That that was pretty something and yeah. kinda distracts people from that one time he karate chopped Phil Kessel. And or he Kessel concussed. I don't know. Kessel karate
1: chopped him. Yeah, and he concussed Louis Erickson. Um, yeah. People forget that, too. Um, also, I think they were saying that the All-Star Game is now going to, uh, for voting, um, you can only vote in f- quote-unquote bona fide NHL players, and now the question will probably be like, what qualifies as a bona fide NHL player? I'd um, say scoring two goals, being named All-Star MVP like right. John Scott it's close enough to be bona fides. Right, exactly. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I guess that was like, it was just in reaction to what happened with John Scott. So. Well,
0: actually that news happened before John Scott retired, oddly True. enough. Yep. And John Scott, he was casually brewing beer and casually oh, yeah, uh, posting on Instagram that he was announcing he was returning. That's a pretty cool way to end your career.
1: True. All right, now we go on to Bruins Send segment. We can do it. I was gonna do like an "Are they for real?" for both of these teams, but, um, but I don't know if we we are kind of running long here, so I'll uh, we'll just make this quick. Um, so sent you did sends last. You started this segment last week. I'll start this week. Uh, Bruins. They uh they shut out the Panthers on Tuesday. Then they won a ten round shootout against the Lightning. Pasternak came back. He had a goal in the Lightning game. He had a goal against the Rangers on Saturday. Um, we lost to the Rangers like five to two. Um, that, that was Tuca's
0: first loss of the year, right?
1: It was Tuca's first loss of the year. That was a game that we, I think, we probably should have won because we were getting a ton of chances. I think we had like thirty-six point, uh, shots on net, um, and just not, we just weren't getting any breaks. Yeah, like we led up two shorthanded goals. One that, like, like, one was Bergeron's defensive mistake, which is a rarity. So, um, I like, it's weird to, like, I always, I don't want to be, like, too high on the Bruins so far, but, um, so that game kind of demoralized me again. I was just like, oh, right, we're, (laughs) we're not all the way there yet. Um, but, um, but then again, so Pasternak came back from his suspension. He's been good now. Uh, back is returned on Saturday um, against the Rangers. He looked decent. I hope Brandon Carlo uh, stays in the thing. Uh, we're still waiting for Kevin Miller to get back. Um, Backus
0: is back, apparently, though. I, I said that. Oh, did you? Okay. I
1: did say that. I thought I said that. I don't know if I did or not. I
0: know you said Pasternak
1: was, but... I did say Pasternak, and then I said Bacchus is back. Um, he was back on um, Saturday. Okay. Um, so who who do they have on deck this week? I I checked yeah. the schedule. Apparently, they play a lot of games. Yeah, we do. Um, so we play. We have a double header or a head like a back to back, back to back, but to two different teams. So we. Uh, We have a home game against the Sabres at 7 on Monday. And then we have a, uh, uh, then we play the Canadians the next day at Montreal. Um, Then we play the Blue Jackets on Thursday. Hold on, let me check who we're playing on Saturday. Um, I forget exactly who it
0: is. Arizona.
1: Is it Arizona.
0: Yeah, they visit Arizona Saturday, then visit Colorado the day
1: after that. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, um, that's right. So
0: that's five games in seven
1: days each. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, this is ha- this is going to be a good test to them, especially against Montreal. Um, yeah, so we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, in uh, sends army uh, in the life of a a loyal supporter of Sen's Army. It was quite the emotional week, especially for Craig Anderson. We all know his story by now. His wife is battling cancer. Uh, we talked about the fact that he was returning to um, the team to play that Sunday night game against Edmonton. We didn't tell you how it went. Uh, it went very, very well. Yep. 37 save shutout. Uh, huge in the third period. Very emotional at the end of the game. Um, and then... He comes back Tuesday against Carolina, OT win, um, he stops all but one of the shots that he faced in that game, Um, and then despite the fact they lost 2-1 against the Sabres on Saturday, he stopped 30 of 32 against Buffalo. So, he's been pretty good, and the Sens have really tightened it up defensively, which I like. Their offense hasn't really been there, but... They've been able to win some one-goal games, and they, they've they've still been able to to again their their offense was huge the first little while. It hasn't been the last little while, but their defense has picked it up. So it's nice to see them adapting, and they're going to have to adapt because now Andrew Hammonds expected to miss at least another week with a groin injury. Um, and what people probably might have heard is that before the Buffalo game, Anderson took another leave of absence. And so it was then that GM Pierre Dorian decided to make a move, went out and got Mike Condon from the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a fifth round pick in this year's draft. Uh, And all he does is get a shutout in his debut with Ottawa. Oddly enough, his NHL debut was against Ottawa and he won that game uh, in the same building that he won in his first game with Ottawa at the Canadian Tire Centre. So the presumption is Condon will be the number two guy until Hammond returns. Drieger is going to stay with the team uh, in case Anderson has to take another leave of absence. And O'Connor is back in the AHL. Matt O'Connor has been sent down. Um, What's also interesting, it, it begs the question, Mike Condon came into a tough situation in Montreal with Carey Price hurt. He didn't play Carey Price like Carey Price normally plays, but he played pretty good and he and he posted respectable numbers, you know, below 500 record, but GAA save percentage they were respectable. And you look at Andrew Hammond who as we all know went on that tear a couple of years ago hasn't really found that groove since. So that begs the question, what happens when both Hammond and Condon are back and healthy? Who do you send down? So All that right. that that's an important question that I'm that I'm curious to know the answer to, and I guess we'll find out um, as the season rolls along. Another question is, who is more deserving of time in the AHL to improve his craft and become a better goalie? Is it Chris Drieger or Matt O'Connor? Because, you know, I know they were pretty big on Matt O'Connor. He had that big season at Boston University. But Chris Drieger has been in the system for quite some time. If you think there's a future for him, I think he needs to get more game time reps. So I'm, I'm wondering if the decision to keep Chris Drieger with the team instead of Matt O'Connor, I'm wondering if that's the wise decision. But again, I don't know the pecking order. I don't know which guy they prefer over the others. So that's up to Pierre, Dorian, Randy Lee, and the rest of uh, the higher-ups in the Sen's management office. Um and finally, the third question is, what's Pittsburgh's game plan now? Because everyone, at least I assumed, the game plan was if they traded Flurry, Matt Murray, and Mike Condon would be your um, number one and number two goalies, respectively. Now Mike Condon is gone, and it's Flurry and Murray again.
1: Yeah. So I the assume they're question, just going to do they trade for Murray, who is who
0: is their um, plan B to Matt
1: Murray. I assume they're just going to keep uh flurry and Murray for this season and then figure out what they're going to do in the off season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'll, it'll be interesting, but I, I yep. think, you know, any team who has a guy like Mark Andre flurry, that's, yep. I, I think that's but, worth something. Way. You should probably get something for him. And by the,
1: the just, way, Matt Murray there's... hasn't let up a goal yet. So, yeah, <laughs> so he's yeah.
0: got the shutout streak now. Yep. Uh, Speaking of goalless streaks, Mike Hoffman is not on one. In fact, three of the last Sen's five goals have come off Mike Hoffman's stick. He scored the opening goal in the Edmonton game. Um, Actually, well, they won three, two, so five. Okay, so he scored, I think, three of the last seven goals. Still, that's pretty good. Three yep. of the last three of the last seven goals have come off Mike Hoffman's stick. Uh, if you're a Sens fan, you gotta like that because prior to that game against Edmonton, he had zero goals on the year, and now he's got three. So, um, and, and in fact, the last two games, Sens have only scored once. He scored both. So it, it's good to see Mike Hoffman uh, going again. Um, Robin Leonard had the Sens number um, on Saturday night, made a couple of big saves. And it uh, was just a little bit better than uh, Craig Anderson and the Ottawa Senators. But Ottawa's beating the teams they need to beat. They beat the Edmonton Oilers. Um, yeah, they beat the Edmonton Oilers. I should make another correction. I think it was three of the last six goals that uh, the Ottawa scored, Mike Hoffman's been responsible for. Um, either way, that's pretty good.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, that's that's half their goals, but irregardless, they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Like I said, they beat Edmonton, um, and then they beat Carolina two to one. Then they beat um, the Vancouver Canucks one nothing, and then they lost to Buffalo two to one. But again, tightening it up defensively, gotta like that. A little bit more from their offense, I would say. But um, they're, again, they're 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 beating the teams they need to beat, and now. They need to beat the teams that are going to give them a run for their money. And they have got a test like Nashville on Tuesday. And like you said, they're 3-5-3. and three. At some point, they're going to wake up. Maybe Tuesday is the night their offense decides to put on a show. Ottawa needs to be ready for that. The night after that, they visit Buffalo, a um, away game against Buffalo. Then they host L.A. on Friday. And then they host Minnesota and their stingy defense on Sunday. So considering, again, the Sabres just beat them, there's no time to slack off of the Sens at this point. Uh, Before we wrap up, though, um, there was a lot of talk, there has been a lot of talk in our neck of the woods about an outdoor game at Parliament Hill. That that topic has been tossed aside. It's been debated. Now it's not going to happen for 2017. Uh, The whole plan, the whole master plan was... The first NHL game is played between Ottawa and Montreal, I believe, in Ottawa. They wanted to get an outdoor game commemorating the 100-year anniversary of that. Uh, now it appears that's not going to happen at Parliament Hill. Uh, and considering that Parliament Hill doesn't have a rink, they don't have proper concessions, there are a lot of security loopholes, and more importantly, they don't have outdoor washrooms. Right. So uh, there are probably a lot of logistics that... Um, made this game impossible to work out. Um, so that begs the question, well, is there a plan B? Yes. And it's TD Place, uh, which hosts the Ottawa Red Blacks, the Ottawa Fury. It's a football, soccer-type stadium that can seat twenty to 25,000 people. It can definitely host an outdoor game. And the football, baseball stadium thing, that's been exercised a lot um, in the NHL, as we know, when it comes to outdoor games. And the reason they wanted to do it on Parliament Hill is because It's never been done before, and they wanted to do something out of the box, totally original, no one's ever done it before, and Parliament Hill is the ideal place. Some people want it maybe um, in another big space, not named Parliament Hill, but still not a football stadium. Other people are saying, no, 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 TD Place is the way to go. I don't know why they talked about Parliament Hill in the first place. So OSE, the Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group, Uh, would be willing to take on the challenge of hosting an outdoor game. Mayor Jim Watson says it's a pretty good idea. He's not given up on the outdoor game idea just yet. He's confident that they could get something worked out with OSEG. The thing is, OSEG does not own the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators are owned by a separate company. Cyril Leader said TD Place wasn't in their plans. So they're going to have to pull some strings in order to make this happen. I don't think it's 100% dead. For 2017, but what we do know is that it won't happen at Parliament Hill, and now they're going to have to sort a bunch of other stuff out in order to make this outdoor game a reality.
1: So there's the latest on that. We'll have to see, yeah. Um, I Actually, correction here, uh, Matt Murray did give up a goal, but only one goal. Um, yeah, at, at some, I think I think it's going to get to the point where like
0: Jay and Dan on TSN, we invent a segment called "You Blew It" at the end, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and we rhyme up a bunch of topics that
1: uh, we were slightly off on. <laughs> yep. But. Um. I mean, I was just like, "Oh wait, that is that right?" And then I was I, so then I looked up, looked it up, and he was like, "Oh, he only gave up a goal." Okay. Um. Anyway, so social media. If you uh, if you listen this long, God bless you, um, our Twitter is Lace Up, Lace Up Podcast, we were kind of slow this week, but we'll, we'll pick it up, um, Facebook, Lace Them Up, uh, you're probably listening to this on SoundCloud, or iTunes, um, subscribe there, or follow us on SoundCloud, um, and, uh, oh yeah, and, uh, email us, Anything, literally anything, uh, laceupbag at gmail.com. We are um,
0: open to any topics, future topics. We'd be willing to anything. tackle anything you guys suggest. Um, yep. so, so long as you know, it, it makes sense and, yep. and everything. If you want to send general feedback by all means, let yep. us know Rate right, Honestly. Um, we want to hear from you anything that you have to add to that would, that you think would
1: make this podcast better. We will consider exactly. Um, uh, if you're an American citizen, go out and vote on Tuesday. Um, can't stress that enough. Um, my name's Brett Duboff.
0: I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 52 of the Lace Melt podcast.
1: Yeah, if America is still alive. Um, <laughs> all right.